I invite you to stand together as we share in the reading of God's holy word. Would you stand together this time? We are reading from Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 33. Please read along with me. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. Just then Jesus spoke to them. Be encouraged, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened began to sing. He shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be a son. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated. I encourage you to take that outline in hand as we look at uh, God's Word together. Now, let me just go ahead and state the obvious. I know that you realize full well uh, that I cannot deliver on the title of this message. How to walk on water. I can't tell you how to do that because we're not designed to do that. We can't do that. Uh, This text ultimately proves that. Uh, Peter steps out of the boat, and maybe with some divine intervention, maybe a step or two, he makes it on the water, but then uh, being human kicks in, and he he plummets and begins to sink. We're not designed to walk on water. Now, I can't tell you how, but if I could, I guarantee you this sermon would go viral this afternoon, if I could really do that. All three networks would call me up and invite me to New York to to, uh, be interviewed on their morning uh, shows. The Pentagon would call me up and talk about possibilities of military espionage and whatnot, learning how to walk on the water. Uh, Barbara Walters would come out of retirement. She and Diane Sawyer would compete to see who would get the first rights to interview me if I could tell you how to walk on water. But none of that's going to happen because I can't. But I can tell you something ultimately way more important. And that is, I can tell you how to walk through water. And that ultimately is far more important, especially if by water we mean those situations and experiences that sometimes we have to go through in life. So let's go ahead and, and be honest, and uh, so there's no false expectations. If you got a pen or pencil, scratch through that word on in the title and write above it the word through, because that's what I'm going to try to do this morning. To the best of my ability, I want to try to help us know how we can walk through waters. And I suggest that's way more important to learn to walk on Especially if by water, if water is meant to convey 
things we experience in life. See if you can relate to any of these types of water. Sometimes in life we have to go through what we could call troubled water. Simon and Garfunkel became famous with a song, The Bridge Over Troubled Water. Some of us of that era, we could probably sing it if, we had, if I gave you a chance, but I'm not going to do that. Troubled water. What's troubled water? Troubled water is that marriage that's on the brink of falling apart. Troubled water is that household that is filled with constant conflict and hostility and arguing and fighting between a husband and wife or parents and their kids. Troubled water are those times when you wake up and you realize that you've lost your job and you don't know how you're going to pay the mortgage. Troubled water is going to the doctor and getting a diagnosis that you were not expecting, and the diagnosis is not encouraging at all. All of us know what it's like to be in troubled water. Or if you haven't, I suspect that one day you will. And then think about this. Uh, There's what we could call muddy waters. Now, what are muddy waters? Muddy waters are those times in our lives and those situations where we can't see clearly what it is we're supposed to do and things are confusing and chaotic. Maybe we've got some important life decision to make and we're not sure what we need to do. That's muddy water. Maybe we're in a relationship that we're not so sure is a relationship that we need to be in and, and we don't know whether we should continue it or dissolve it. We're confused. That's muddy water. Maybe some of us know what that's like. And then think about this. Sometimes we live through what could be called deep water, or we could also call it hot water. Deep water means that we have gotten so deep into some problem, so deep into some trouble that we can barely keep our heads above water. Maybe maybe some sin has caught up with us. We didn't think anybody knew about but now they do. And that sin has resulted in our life getting chaotic and disjointed. and We're in deep water. We're not sure what to do. Maybe our deep water is due to deep trouble financially. Maybe we've made a series of bad decisions. We've had a run of bad luck, and we're in serious debt. Deep water for some may be an addiction that has reached the point that it's controlling your life. And you realize that you're over your head. And then think about this kind of water. We could call it uh, rushing water. Rushing water is that time when when life is just moving so fast, the current is so swift, you feel like you're going to be swept away. And you do the best you can just to remain on solid footing. You're spinning out of control, there's stress, life is busy, it's demanding, you're exhausted. I I talk to a lot of young couples, young uh, parents who are in a time in their life where they're juggling work and kids and school and rushing water is pretty good description of the the 
life that they're living from day to day. Since I did this outline, I thought about another kind of water sometimes we live in. It's what we could call stagnant water. It's the opposite of rushing water. Stagnant water is that time in our life where there is no movement. There is no current. There is no purpose. Our life is just the same stale routine day after day after day. They get out talking to a friend of ours recently and he said, uh, I'm concerned about my wife. She's recently retired and she's at home now and she doesn't know what to do and I'm worried about her. She just, she's depressed. She has no purpose in her life anymore. Would you please pray for her? Stagnant water. It's different from all the other waters that we've talked about, but just as problematic. Now, I don't know which of those waters you have ever waded into, but I suspect that all of us understand what they mean and what they're like. I suspect that some of us may be in the midst of some of those waters right now. Well, this morning, I want to let you know that there is a way for you to live and walk through those waters, whatever they are, and to come out on the other side better, stronger, better, more fully alive than you were before. I want to let you know that if you are currently in some troubled water or you are seeking to wade, navigate your way through muddy water or you're in deep water or you're just trying to keep your, feet, uh, your footing in, in running water or if you're stuck in some stagnant water, there is a way through. In the story that we read a moment ago, this is a story about Jesus walking on the water. Now that makes sense. power of this story is not so much that Jesus walked on water, but that it sheds some light on how he can help you and me walk through water. Several insights kind of jump out at us as, as we take the time to reflect on the story. your life is currently involved in any of the waters we've been talking about, there is a way through. It begins with this. It begins with facing the fear. Facing the fear. Peter was full of fear. But he decides to face it. Jesus, standing out there on the water, calls Peter to him. Now, Peter could have stayed in the boat. He could have been gripped by his fear. He was terrified. But he decided to face the fear until he stepped out. The first step in walking through turbulent, difficult waters is face the fear. That's what he did. 
That's what we have to do. Listen, the only way through troubled water or muddy water or deep water is to face whatever it is that is holding you there. Is to face the fear of whatever is holding you there. You see, making it through the troubled waters of a marriage that is crumbling is to face the reality that the marriage is not all well. To move beyond the place in which you're afraid that your friends might find out or you're afraid to seek counsel. The first step is facing the reality, facing the fear. Fear often keeps us from moving towards wholeness. And many a couple's marriage have been ended because they never could face the fear of admitting that their marriage was in trouble. I suspect there are thousands of people in Noonan today who live with addictions to alcohol and and drugs, pornography, whatever. They could be free of that bondage. But the first step is facing the fear that is keeping them down and admitting their need for help. You see, they can be released from that bondage when they face the fear, the fear of treatment, the fear of acknowledging they have a problem, the fear of living uh, without that dependency, the fear of, of finding a purpose beyond the pill or the bottle. Now, I'll say to you this morning, if, if there's something keeping you in some turbulent, difficult water, The way through begins with facing the fear. So I'd ask you, what is the fear that you need to face? I don't know that. Your friends may or may not know that, but you know that. You know what that is. What is the fear you need to face? Now, I'm not suggesting this is easy. This, it's not at all, and it takes a lot of courage to face that. So where does that courage come from? And, and that's really the second insight from this story. It comes when we trust Christ. You see... You can face the fear when you know that Jesus is there. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to to help you. You're not alone. These words from Isaiah are beautiful words that were written to the the nation, the Hebrew people, but I think they're words that are equally appropriate and powerful if we hear them as spoken and written directly to us as individuals. And as we hear them as the words of God to us, listen to them. Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass to the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. Peter faced the fear. And then he trusted Christ enough to step out of the boat. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if you command me to come to you, I will. Now, when he said that, he didn't know if he was going to sink or swim or walk. He stepped out of the boat. Because Jesus said to him, Come. And guess what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat? He couldn't walk on water. Oh, yes, maybe a, a momentary, divine, miraculous intervention, a step or two, and then he sinks like a rock. But his trust in Christ is not misguided because notice what Christ did. He reaches out and he grabs hold of Peter. And he lifts him up and he brings him to safety. Think about Peter's words for just a minute. If you command me to come to you, I will. Imagine. Imagine if if all of us, in the grips and the turmoil of some troubled or muddy or deep waters, took that perspective. Imagine the difference he could make. Imagine the couple of a marriage about to go under, where there's no love anymore, saying, those two people saying, Lord, if you command us to come to you, we will. Imagine the person addicted to some addiction that's controlling his life uh, saying, Lord, if you command me to come to you, I will. Imagine the person who is dealing with a traumatic devastating medical diagnosis that they're afraid, they're scared, they don't know what to do. Imagine that person saying, Lord, if you command me to come to you, I will. Imagine the person whose life is a total wreck because of some sin that they have been living and is destroying their lives, their home, and everything else. Imagine that person saying, Lord, If you command me to come to you, 
I will. And you know what's going to happen in those situations? Christ is going to do in those situations what he did in this one. He's going to grab that person and lift them up and bring them to safety and rescue. Let me tell you, moving through turbulent, difficult, frightening waters, whatever form they take, means, number one, facing the fear. Secondly, it means trusting in Christ, moving toward Him. Now, to help us do that with any degree of consistency, this story gives us one more lesson to think about. And it's this. Never stop worshiping. Worship. Something interesting happens in the boat after Jesus rescues Peter. They go back to fishing. No, they didn't do that. Look what happened. We're told that a worship experience broke out. When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be the Son of God. Let me tell you, the most important thing that you can do to lift you out of troubling, deep, muddy, rushing waters, whatever they might be, the best thing you can do in those situations is to immerse yourself in worship of God. Now, I'm not just talking about sitting in a worship service. But I mean authentic, really heartfelt worship in which you are praising God and giving God thanks and gratitude in which you're seeking God's Spirit. Because you see, it is worship more than anything else that sustains us, that empowers us, that puts us in touch with the knowledge of God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness which reminds us, enables us to experience God's power. And the best activity you can engage in in those times is worship. People who are in a troubled marriage, the best place for them to be is worshiping God. People who battle with addictions, the best place for them to be is in the worship of God. People who are afraid of a medical diagnosis and are uncertain about what's about to happen, the best place for them to be is in worship. You see, worship like nothing else helps us walk through Whatever waters we have to pass through. Sadly, it is precisely when we're in the throes of some challenging water that some believers choose to withdraw from worship. when the greatest thing needed 
is to immerse yourself more than ever in it. Some of you this morning may be in some form of difficult water. Well, I'm cognizant of the fact that for some of you, uh, life may be grand right now. You're, you're floating on a nice, constant, comforting stream, and life is good. Hallelujah. Thank God. But it might not always be that way. If you haven't already, you may well find yourself in. Some of these other experiences. This morning, if you find yourself there, I want to ask you to take some important steps that ultimately can help lead you through those and bring you out safely on the other side. I want to encourage you this morning to face the fear. Whatever that is that is keeping you in that place, what is the fear that it puts in your life that you need to address? I encourage you to face the fear. And then I I encourage you to trust in Christ. He, He means what He says. We are His... His love for us is uncompromising. His desire is not to add chaos to your life. It's to bring order and meaning and purpose to your life. Trust Christ. And immerse yourself as never before in opportunities to to really worship God. Will you say what Peter said? Lord, if you command me to come to you, I will. Jesus did, and Peter did. Will you? I want to take just a few moments this morning because I sense that um, for some of us in this room, this is a moment that we should not let pass without coming before the Lord and seeking His help. And so I want to ask it for the next few moments and David's going to play softly on the organ. But we're going to open up the altar for prayer. And this may be a symbolic way for you to do what Peter did that day, of stepping out of the boat. Maybe for us today it means stepping out of the pew and, and facing the fear and trusting in Christ and resolving to live our lives every day immersed in worship for God. I just want to ask you if, if you feel so inclined, if, if, even if you don't feel inclined, but you feel the Spirit tugging at you, just to come and spend some moments at the altar in prayer. You might 
prefer to pray where you are. That's perfectly fine. But I want to give this opportunity for those of us who need to, to face the fear, to trust in Christ. And put yourself in a position so that he, for you, can reach out and grab you and hold you up and lead you through whatever it is.